morning, everyone. Good morning, Mr. Fraser. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Mike. Um, everyone say hi, Mike. Uh, Mike's down the back on uh, AV, and it's great to have you in the building, Mike. And I'm actually going to just skip the first part of my message and just go straight to the end of the Bible. Uh, that's the book of Revelation. Um, just in, in our worship time and that ministry time, um, I just had the words back to the future for someone here today. And uh, you are just all about, you know, what's God? What's God got for me? What's in store for me? What is around the corner? And um, I just had this, yeah, back to the future. For, for you to actually go forward, you've got to go back and actually let God redeem and restore something in your past. He wants to, he wants to put his hand on something that happened in your life, and he wants you to see it for, uh, as it is and just surrender it to him. And it's actually going to bring an immense freedom around your life to go forward into the future. Um, now, with this um, word, I just got the name Cameron as well. So if you've, if you've got the name Cameron and that's a word for you, then, um, yeah, then take it. Take it, apply it. Ask the Holy Spirit, like, what is there? Like, every, you know, like, it's a really great spiritual practice to just go, search my heart, Lord. Is there anything in me? that you need to redeem, that you need to put your hand on. Because, I mean, none of us want to actually be restricted, right? We want to actually come into the fullness of the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. Now, I do know that the name Cameron also means crooked nose. So if you have a crooked nose, <laughs> it's not as a consequence. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. He is good. Um, and I'm just going to jump a third of the way into my message today. Um, and I want to speak a little bit about heaven this morning. Uh, and, and we're going to look at the book of Revelation this morning. And just in worship, I was just reminded of um, a couple of experiences that I've had uh, where... Nothing in the natural realm can explain what's happened to my body <laughs> or to my mind. It wasn't like I intentionally thought something different or something, um, someone said something to me, but something happened in my heart. One of these situations actually was a physical manifestation of heaven uh, touching my body. And, and this, is, this is normal Christian living, right? This is what we want to see as normal Christian living, right? <laughs> we don't want to just um, kind of go through the motions and attend events, attend church, attend God, attend to our Bible. We actually want to engage with the very presence of God and see Jesus get his full reward. He, you know, he said, hey, disciples, if you're going to pray anything, you know, let's, let's just put the Father in his holy, you're holy. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He said, for every one of those who were following him, this is a pattern of prayer for your life. And if it's a pattern of prayer, then it becomes an expectation of your heart. It becomes actually an expectation of your heart that's something of another realm. This is, I'm speaking to Christians right now. All right, if you're a non-Christian in this place, you don't get this. 
You just think that, you know, you, it, it, you're just here because of chemistry. But there's more than chemistry, all right? There is the supernatural realm that we as followers of Christ engage with. And we believe that as we follow Christ and as we pray in the patterns that Jesus instructed to us, that we are actually doing this in faith. We're not doing this out of religiosity. We're doing this engaged in our life with faith, with an expectation that God hears our prayers and He will do what He said He will do. So on earth as is in heaven. So what happened for me is that I was, I was experiencing, this is 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe now, a, a intense stomach pain. And I've had different times in my life when I've just had you know, challenges when stress-related, and I know that that's been a factor to my life, and it definitely wasn't this time in my life. And so I went um, on a seeking God, a retreat up to Hamner, and we were all praying, and um, Chris was leading, Chris Diath, uh, former pastor, he was leading the meeting uh, that day, and, and there was a group of us, and he's, has anyone got any sickness in their body? Yes, I'm in intense pain, and I was actually in intense pain, I couldn't even stand up straight, and um, everyone prayed for me, and then he said, okay, step back, and everyone step back and allow the Holy Spirit to touch him, and, and the Holy Spirit touched me in that moment, and I was set free. I, like, I dramatically went from having intense pain to having no no pain intense pain to having complete freedom and it was only god it was it was only god and i want to encourage you to live with the what if <laughs> not that i oh, probably not but what if god wants to you know what if he wants to come into your world in a fresh way what if he wants to do something new in your life today what if he wants you to change your mind about the way he thinks about you and your family. He is a God that exists in this realm called heaven. And this realm, earth, this natural realm, this, you know, this place that we take for granted, we're only seeing this with it. We only experience this with our eyes. And we can, this is everything to us in so many ways. But this realm came from heaven. This realm came from another place. This is crazy stuff, right? We believe this. This is the Bible. We're created. We are created beings. We didn't happen by accident. Therefore, we came from heaven. We came because God spoke it into being and he said, let there be. Let there be. Let there be. Let there be humanity. And so my message today really is called living today with the end in mind. Living today with the end in mind. And we're going to just look at what Jesus revealed like supernaturally to John, who was an apostle on this island of Patmos. And we're going to write to the end of the Bible because there's so much trouble that happens in Revelation. And we're going to need like weeks and weeks to talk through all that stuff but we're going to go right to the end because i want this to be a simple message today revelation 22 verse 12 and 13 this is the final chapter of the bible and this is jesus speaking to john look i'm coming soon my reward is with me and i will give to each person according to what they have done I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. 
the beginning and the end. You see, we can see in here that Jesus has got the end in mind. Everything that he has completed so far is because he's been thinking about the future. He's been thinking about what is going to happen. He's think, and, and so we're, if he's thinking that, we need, to, we need to start thinking about this too. We need to start thinking about the end as, as well. And if we were to boil this, you know, as a follower of Jesus, if we were to just kind of like boil our eschatology, and that's a big word for it, like in times, down to two of the most important things, what would they be? And I'm going to keep this really, really simple, all right? Number one, Jesus is coming back. At the end, he's going to be here. And number two, be prepared. Turn to your neighbor and say, get prepared. <laughs> get ready. <laughs> and I say that because this is a tricky verse, right? It says, this is tricky. He says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. He's like, my reward for you is according to how you've stewarded your life and what you've done on this planet. And we receive eternity according to what we've done with what we've got right now in our present situation, to what he's entrusted with. And so our lives are actually right now connected to eternity. So what I believe about today will impact my eternity. What I'm doing today will impact my eternity. And, and the Bible talks, as, talks a lot about heaven and, and eternity. And I want to just, just do a little bit of an overview on that as well. It says here in Isaiah 66, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? So I just want to like, why am I bringing this scripture out today? Heaven is a place <laughs> and God desires connection between heaven and earth. It says, earth is my footstool. This is like God's like, ah, on earth, you know. It's my resting place. I'm going to relax and my feet are going to enjoy the presence of earth and we get to build this house we get to build like in this realm in this reality we get to be hey god come and come and put your feet here come and rest in my family come and rest at thrive come on we want to create an environment for his presence to actually to be to appear to to be revealed and and so heaven is is like god's intent is that heaven and earth would be Connected. It says in Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the heavens. Have you noticed that that's plural? That's that's more than one heaven. And the way and one of the ways to understand what heavens actually can mean is to consider this: that there are actually three types of heavenly realms. And I'm just going to break this down a little bit for you. Number one. The first, first heavenly realm is earth. That's why I said the first, because earth. And you're like, how can earth be heaven? See, Eden was created as heaven on earth. 
Eden was like a, hey, this is a, this is a heaven on earth situation. This is a paradise situation. So the first realm of, of heaven is actually the world that we, sp- that we uh, spend our time on. This, the second heaven can be said as, as the spiritual realm that is surrounding us on the first heaven realm. This is the unseen realm. And in Ephesians 6, you know, it says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. So we're actually, that's, when he says our battle, this is real. This is actually this warfare in this realm, in this first heaven realm, with the second heaven spiritual climate trying to bring influence over us. In the book of Daniel chapter 9, we can actually see three heavenly realms interacting. And it's fascinating because what, I'm going to give you a quick overview. You could do a study on this yourself. But Daniel is praying and he's praying from the first heaven. He is praying from earth and Father in heaven, in the throne room, in the place where his presence, where he is, you know, like this is his dwelling place. He hears this prayer from Daniel and he's like, I'm going to answer that prayer. And he sends the answer to an angel called Michael. And Michael is on assignment to bring this message that, that God has answered, right? God has answered. And so, but Michael gets caught up with the prince of Persia. This is so intense. And he is warring angels, demons, warring in the spiritual realm for this breakthrough message that has been answered from God to come through. Now, what's Daniel doing in the first heaven? What's he doing on earth? Because this realm matters. He's actually interceding. He does a Daniel fast that we call now. He's not gone. He's got no coffee. He's got no chocolate. He's got none of the good stuff. He's got no screen time. He's put all that away. And he's just eating vegetables. And he's praying. It says he's praying and fasting for 21 days. And because his prayers are bringing contention and breakthrough for that second heaven realm so that the third heaven realm can invade to the first heaven. <laughs> it's radical. <laughs> it's so mind-blowing. But this is what the Bible says. This is why praying matters. This is when we're contending against spiritual realms. We're contending against, uh, you know, we're contending for a breakthrough. We're contending for the answer that's been released from heaven to come to earth. It's amazing. Even Paul, the, the Apostle Paul, and this is, on the, this is in the New Covenant. Because we could say, oh, that's just Old Covenant. Jesus has made a way and we have free access to the Father. And this is so true, but there's still a fight for us. Ephesians is written from the New Testament. And Paul said in Thessalonians, I would have come to you. I would have like, I was desiring to make it to your world. But, and, and, I, and it says, I, Paul, time and time and again, but Satan hindered us. Like, I know we don't want to minimize the enemy. We don't want to minimize the struggle that it is real. There is actually a real struggle for the kingdom of God to be made manifest, for heaven to be made manifest through our lives. And why do I say there is the third heaven? I just want to tag that thought to a verse in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 2. Paul said that he got caught up to the third heaven. (laughs) That's why. He got caught up to the throne room. So then we're just going to look at the last few chapters of the Bible and kind of mash this thought together here. 
And it's not a deep dive into Revelation here, but it's, um, it's worth looking at. It says this in Revelation 21 verse 2. This is back, and I say all that, you know, this, this, this taking our spiritual warfare seriously because we want to live with the end in mind. We want to live today with the end in mind. Revelation 21 verse 2, I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. You're like, well, this is a wedding. Absolutely. And what's going on? Who, who's, who are the... the, the um, who are the couple in the wedding? Well, the, 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 the bride is the picture of the church. This is the church, and Jesus is the groom. And, and, and the Father loves both the bride and the groom, and there's going to be this marriage between the church and Jesus. And it talks about that in Revelation verse 19. And, and the thing is, that is the Father and or Jesus, he does, they, not, they don't just tolerate the bride. They're like, oh, Jesus, you know. <laughs> He is like Jesus, you know, but he's also like the bride. She's got to get ready. (laughs) The church has got to get ready. It's not like, I love Glenn, but Debbie, she's, I don't really. It's not like that. The bride, this is our part. We We don't go to this wedding and just attend to watch the church marry Jesus. We are the church marrying Jesus. We've got to get ready for this wedding. We've got to get ready for what's ahead for us. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and God himself will be with them and, and, and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from the eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. I think that's worth a, a shout of praise. Why don't we praise him? He will wipe away every tear from our eyes because God has got a plan in mind and he's sticking to the plan. He's planned ahead and it includes you and I in the plan. In 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse 13, he says, but, uh, Peter says this, but keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth the home of righteousness. We are moving towards a fulfillment. It may not come for another 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, but I want to say we are moving towards that fulfillment and we need to look forward to a new heaven and a new earth because what I believe today will impact my future tomorrow. It, it, the book of Revelation is not given to the church for the anticipation of death and destruction and hell and chaos. And I mean, there's some of that in it, but it's not given to Christians to just blanket us with this expectation of fear. It's given to us to treasure because it's the revelation that Jesus is coming back. It's the revelation to the church wake up! <laughs> Hey, you've forsaken your first love. You got busy doing life and religiosity, but you've, you've actually forgotten Jesus loves you and he saved you and he wants, he wants to marry you. Guys, that's weird, but that's the analogy. It's a love relationship. 
And then the last chapter of Revelation, Revelation 22, it gets really good. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit in every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of nations. Isn't that beautiful? The healing of nations. It's not like everything is just going to be rolled up and thrown away, although there are verses that say that it's like a scroll and it's, you know, there's all that as well. But here we have the last chapter saying actually nations are going to be healed. This is, this is actually a, a third heaven reality coming to earth and bringing the, the third heaven to earth. <laughs> And it's a mirror of the Garden of Eden. If you look at the first chapters of the Bible, it says this, Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, a paradise, but there he, and where he put man had been formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for the fruit, food. In the middle of the garden was a tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it goes on to say there's rivers flowing and there's gold in the land. And it's just like, oh, this is a good place. This is the original intent, that there would be heaven on earth. And, you know, humanity, we walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden daily, face to face, unashamed, totally naked. They felt no shame about who they were, what they were saying, how they were working. They were just sweet with God. Heaven and earth were one. There was unity. But, you know, humanity came along, Adam and Eve. They chose to explore the knowledge of both good and evil. To really get into that. <laughs> they ate from the, the fruit. And their eyes became open to not only what was good, but to what was evil. They, they, they walked away from innocence. And so we have these... It's just profound that we have these two garden settings on the extreme ends of the Bible. And there's actually a third garden in the middle of the story. And this garden is the Garden of Gethsemane. And what's interesting about this garden on so many levels, number one is that Jesus, this is the night before his crucifixion, right, or his trial, and and he invites his disciples to come with him into this garden. And in this garden, we get to look through this window of Scripture and see this intense, agonizing moment of Jesus wrestling with his call to the cross. There's something profound happening in this garden as well. And it says in Luke 22, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. See, the decision that Jesus made in this garden saw this bridge once again appear from heaven to earth. That we could eat from the tree of life again. And Gethsemane, it, it means oil press. It means oil press. And Gethsemane was actually located just, just down from the Mount of Olives where the olive trees were uh, harvested and oil was pressed in this garden. And in this agonizing moment that Jesus faced, he was being pressed. 
he was in the oil press and he said in the middle of this wrestle he said my father if it's possible may this cup be taken from me but not as I will as you will he's being pressed He's been pressed in this garden of decision. He's been pressed in this garden of destiny. He's been pressed. His disciples, they were falling asleep. <laughs> Jesus has been pressed and he's like, take, if it's possible, take this cup from me. And he's been pressed and mentally, emotionally, Physically, he's actually crying out to the Father for relief. And, but the Father could see everything that Jesus would become and everything that Jesus would do and achieve for all humanity on the other side of the cross. He's like, I can't release you from this pressing. I can't release you from this cup because you are gonna be, you're going to have the authority to... to so that everyone could be blessed in spiritual realms and heavenly realms through Christ Jesus. Heaven is going to come to earth. You've got to go through this pressing. You've got to go. You've got to drink this cup. The Father was living with the end in mind. Jesus engaged with the Father's will. And it says in Hebrews 12, that, that considering the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured the cup. Now, just over the last two weeks, I had a, a vision of a cup here two or three weeks ago, just above, just sitting up there. And it was actually a cup of overflow, I believe. It was like a cup where God was going to pour out His Spirit over this church. And then last week, I was watching the message, and Eli probably didn't remember that I'd had that vision the week before. And he had had a picture of empty cups being held up to God. And he, he led uh, the, the ministry moment with us, with you guys. I was virtually doing it, holding the cups up. <laughs> Fill my cup. And there's another cup in the middle of this, and it's this cup of endurance. It's this cup that we are invited to take with Jesus because he invites us to this garden. And I know Jesus has been the ultimate sacrifice. He has paid the price. But he also says and said to us, will you take up your cross and follow me? And in that question to us, there is a consideration in our hearts where we consider, do I have to drink this cup? <laughs> do I have to go through this moment? Do I have to face this pressing on my life? In Psalm 23, David says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And we're like, well, I'd so, I don't want to drink with my enemies. I don't want to eat in front of my enemies. I want, to, I want to hang out with my friends and family, and I want to eat in the comfort, and I want to enjoy my meal. I'm not going to enjoy food in the presence of my enemies. Why would I do that?
But, you know, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual powers. And this is where we confront that heavenly realm, that second heavenly realm, is in the decision to drink the cup with Jesus. Psalm 23 goes on to say, You you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I want to say to you, to anyone who feels like, man, I feel like I'm eating in the presence of my enemies. I feel like I've got a season of being actually right in front, intimidated by everyone and everything around me. And and, and the thing that I don't want to do, you're asking me to do. You want me to keep going. You want me to take this cup. You want me to surrender And I want to say that this is where your breakthrough is. This is where your anointing flows. This is where the the anointing for your breakthrough is as you feast in the presence of your enemies, as you worship God in the presence and whatever's intimidating you around your life, whatever is fearful around your life, whatever is stuck around your life, you need to get into the Father's presence and worship Him. You need to feast at His table. We need to feast at his table. That's where his anointing is. It says in verse 6, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, at the table of his presence, in the company of our enemy, (laughs) of those threats and limitations and weaknesses that we feel, that's where we discover the goodness and love of the Father. Because He has the end in mind. He has the end in mind. And He's calling this house to be a resting place of His presence. And this house is made up of a whole lot of yous. <laughs> A whole lot of used guys. And used guys are the bride. (laughs) And I don't want you to miss out. On who you are going to become. As you establish a resting place for the father in your life like you never have before. Like you put them first, like you never had before. Like you go to war in that second heavenly realm to see the third heaven touch your life like you never have before. Like this is intense. I make no apologies. The gospel's not, it's, gr- it's good news because this is still good news. This is an intensely good news. The gospel requires something from us as we receive it freely it's a free gift the free gift of salvation the free gift of eternal life by grace we are saved through faith and this is not from ourselves this is a gift of God but it is our choice then to engage with the fullness of what the gospel really means for our lives so we're going to we're going to take communion in this moment now and and I'm anticipating that everyone here has got a cup and a tiny little wafer 
tiny little, the smallest communion you've ever had in your life. It's not the kind of communion that you could share with your friends. You just need to have one for yourself. And today, this is the cup of the new covenant, right? This, and I, and I, the message I brought this morning is not a try harder gospel to get Jesus to love you more. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. If that's all you've heard, re-listen to the message because it's not what I'm saying. Jesus loves you with everlasting love. And this is, and the cup of the new covenant is a beautiful thing. Everyone is invited to drink of this cup, but before we drink of this cup, we want to make sure our hearts are right with the Lord. And that starts with a simple surrender. <laughs> a simple surrender to Jesus. I want to give you my life again. I want to surrender everything I have and my limitations and my cold face and just everything that's around my life. I want to surrender that to you. I want to surrender the offense I have in my heart. It's also another really important part of surrendering is actually letting go relationships and people that have hurt you. It's actually making relationships right. That's a part of surrendering your right to hold on to your offense because Jesus has forgiven you and therefore we need to forgive others. It's a massive part of what it means to come into this covenant with the Father and receive the fullness of forgiveness for our lives. Because he even says that we can't be forgiven unless we forgive others. So we need to let some stuff go. We need to let some stuff go before we take this cup. So let's just do that in our hearts right now. Jesus, we just, we let people go. We let any offenses in our heart go. We, if we're offended with ourselves and we're disappointed at ourselves for our own place in life or whatever we said or did last week, we forgive ourselves. We, we surrender our lives to you. Because how we do our spiritual life with you, our relationship with you, we just want to give that to you, Jesus, and just say, help us. We want to experience fullness in greater measures. We surrender our lives to you. And we just want to thank you for this cup that was poured out, this cup that you chose to drink, Jesus, that you chose to drink. And we thank you for drinking this cup, this cup of suffering and of death so that we wouldn't have to we thank you for your sacrifice today. And we thank you for your body broken today. And we remember that sacrifice. And we want to say yes to walking in the fullness of who you called us to be. In Jesus' name.